who went to the cross for us and died in our place where we should have died and died for our sins and then gave us his righteousness so that we could be called the sons and daughters of God. Oh, what a savior. Uh, I know you know better than that because I know some of you have been this week where you looked around and you didn't see anybody that you could call on, but Jesus, he's a savior, the one that we need. And he's wonderful, wonderful. Jesus said, you may take your seats. It is my, my privilege and honor to stand before you this day. My name is uh, Pastor Derek Parks, uh, as the young lady so wonderfully introduced. So I give praise and honor to the Lord today um, because he's my savior. And, <laughs> And listen, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to define it or quantify it or describe it, but um, I'm just a kid from Camden, New Jersey. Uh, and listen, if, if you've known the stuff that the Lord had brought me from, uh, and, and I know the stuff he brought some of you from as well, uh, you would rejoice a little bit better than you are rejoicing because we've got a Savior. Amen? Amen. So I want to give honor to your pastor, um, my friend. Pastor Tony Benson, um, I met him when I first arrived to the city uh, a little over two and a half years ago, um, and he embraced me. Uh, he loved on me. He told me, if you need anything, just give me a call. Uh, he buys me breakfast and lunch every time we get together. <laughs> so uh, I I'm thankful for that. And, and I bet y'all could probably guess where he takes me uh, when we go uh, to that Metro Diner when we go. So it's, listen, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful breakfast. <laughs> I give honor to the man of God uh, today for the invitation uh, to come before you on this youth Sunday and celebrate uh, the Lord with you, but also to celebrate all that God has done uh, throughout 2018. Uh, because if we're honest, some of us aren't supposed to be here right now. I mean, if we're honest, some of us got some diagnosis earlier in the year that we weren't supposed to make it to this point. Some of us got some pink slips on our job, and we didn't know how we were going to make it through to this point. Some of us got some grades back that we didn't really expect to get back on that paper, and we didn't know how we were going to make it through the end of the semester, but God saw us through. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to get some help from y'all later. That's all right. Listen, I want to preach today from the title... You got served. You got served. Anybody remember that movie, You Got Served, where they was doing the dance moves and battle? See, when I was coming up in hip-hop, you, if you wanted to let somebody know something, you would battle them. And some of the ways that you would battle them it would break dancing and you would get down on the floor and y'all start popping and locking and doing all this kind of stuff and pulling people's hearts out and stuff like that uh, and getting them to fall down on the floor and roll backwards and all that kind of stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that we had going on when I was coming up in hip-hop. But I started thinking about this and as I was looking through this past scripture uh, and, and, and looking through the theme that you guys had about serving and service and, and I just wanted to point this out to you today is that you've got to serve where you've been served you got to serve what you've been served. Uh, I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 29. I'm going to read it through very quickly. I'm reading through the Christian uh, Standard Bible here. Um, so it, you can follow along with me as I read. Um, verse 24, it reads, hear these words of our Father. It says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. 
and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body. That is, look at me, the church. I have become its servant. Somebody say servant. I'll say it again a little louder. Somebody say servant. According to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Verse 26 says that the mystery hidden for ages and generation, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him. We proclaim him. We proclaim him. We don't proclaim any other name. We proclaim him. Warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this. Anybody know that it's a labor to produce disciples and see maturity into people? It's a labor. Striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father, severing the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls today. God, and I pray that when we hear this word, we might respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. God, it's in that same spirit that I pray that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and that you would speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I place all of my trust. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And the whole church said, amen, 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 amen. Uh, I want to give honor today really quickly to my beautiful wife. Hey, baby. She's here with me today. I'm so glad she showed up with me today. Um, I love her chocolate self. I call her, my, that's my Reese's peanut butter cup, y'all. She's, she's dark like chocolate on the outside, but she's sweet like peanut butter on the inside. Hey, somebody, come on. I feel my help coming in here today. Good Lord. Listen, <laughs> I'm gonna go, she's going she gonna to stab me in the car. <laughs> I'm driving. That's okay. I'm, as long as I drive, I'm all right. There was a woman who was interested in Christian work in London, and she wrote once to a great evangelist, and she said to him, I have a meeting I want to have with you, and I want to speak with you. It's only a small meeting, and it will take nothing out of you. The evangelist, he answered, he says, sadly, I cannot come. And it would be of no use for me if I did come. Because if it takes nothing out of me, it will do no good for anyone. It is service that costs. And cheap religion is not worth preaching about. See, that's why I want to submit this to you today is that you've got to serve what you've been served. 
See, God has served some stuff up to us. He served some things up to us in our lives called salvation, number one. He saved us from the grips of sin and death and hell, and he rescued us through his son, Jesus Christ. He served up something to us, and guess what? We've got to return that by serving in his kingdom. See, verse number uh, 24, it says, now I rejoice in my sufferings. The first thing I want you to see is this, is that service will cost you something. See, your, 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 your service has, will cost you something. If, you, if you're going to serve, you have to know that your service comes with some suffering. We don't like to talk about, about that in today's age. We don't like to talk about suffering. But your service in the kingdom of God ought to cost you something. See, that's why Paul here is rejoicing. He says oh, he's rejoicing in his sufferings. Literally, Paul is calmly happy. That's what the word rejoice means. It means to be calmly happy. He's rejoicing about the fact that his ministry to the church is filled with suffering. See, the, the, the sufferings that he's facing here, the suffering, it, it talks about the misfortune or the calamity or the evil that Paul has faced. And if you know anything about the life and ministry of Paul, you'll know that his ministry was filled with misfortune and calamity and pain. He, he chronicles that for us in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 11. He says, uh, are those servants of Christ? He, he's, he's pausing for a second. He says, let me talk like a madman to you really quickly. Like, like let me say some stuff to you. Uh, I'm, I'm a better servant of Christ than those other folks. I've got far more labors. I've got more imprisonments, worse beatings, and been near death more times than you. Like, Paul is swagging on them in such a way, swagging on them and letting them know, listen, I've suffered more than you. That's a different kind of swag. We don't swag about that kind of stuff. We don't swag about having more sufferings than other people. He says, five times I've had 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning, and three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the whole night and day in the open sea. He was out there with the thing over his eyes like the Bird Box movie. That's what he was doing. <sighs> I went there. Yes, I did. Listen. <laughs> he says, on frequent journeys, listen to this. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, from robbers, dangers from Gentiles, and from my own people. That's a separate sermon all of its own. He says, listen, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brethren, toil, hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. Paul just laid out some stuff for us. And listen, service in the kingdom of God is going to cost you some of those things. You're going to have some sleepless nights serving in the kingdom of God. You're going to have some hardship serving in the kingdom of God. You're going to have some toil serving in the kingdom of God. And guess what? It doesn't matter how old you are in Christ. You're going to have to endure through hardship in order to be received, to receive at the end. Well done, my good and faithful servant. When I go to the doctor's office, I don't care if the doctor is 19 or 99. 
if he's giving me a prescription, I want it to be the right one. I'm not going to go, oh, he's 19. It's okay. <laughs> he gave me the wrong prescription. That's fine. No, I'm going to call my lawyer, and I'm going to get some money because he gave me the wrong type of stuff. See, many of us, if we had to have the same type of list that Paul had, we would have been gone from the faith. Uh, see, if that list was regulative to be considered a servant of Christ, many of us in the room wouldn't even sign up for a relationship with Jesus. We would walk away from the faith if we were called to a service like Paul's. Now, listen, I know this can sound like a guilt trip, um, but it's not. It really isn't. This sermon is to call us on a trip with the Savior that produces a reward that eclipses our suffering when we get to be face-to-face with him in glory. See, listen, that, that, that's, let me... Let me think more subjectively here. We, we live in America, right? And, and for, for a time being, we don't face any kind of persecution. We don't face persecution like our brothers and sisters across the world are facing persecution. We just don't. And, and in fact, for the most part, uh, we, we're not going to have our houses taken from us. We're not going to have anybody walk up in here and shut this place down like they're doing over in China and those kinds of places. We're not going to have that kind of stuff happen to us here. But at but the same time, we've got to understand that God is calling us to a suffering that produces fruit on the inside of us. See, everything that you went through in 2018, it was to produce something on the inside of you. See, Paul, his suffering was, to, was, was an internal one as well because he had a great concern for the churches. See, his concern for the churches was extremely strong uh, because he wanted to see salvation come to the Gentiles. We're concerned with so many things. We're concerned with so many things, and it doesn't add up to the concerns that Jesus would have us to have. We're concerned about the size of our house, concerned about the make and model of our car, we're concerned about the amount of dollar signs in our bank accounts. And I'm not saying none of that is wrong. But what I'm saying is, is that we've got to begin to reprioritize. If we're going to see people come from spiritual death to spiritual life and grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity in Christ. See, that's what Paul's saying. He says, listen, I'm supplementing here or I'm completing here what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, the church. Here's the power of what Christ is saying here. He's saying that through your suffering, you provide a supplement for anything that is lacking in the gospel message. (laughs) Through your serving... In Christ's church, you provide a supplement for what might be lacking or incomplete in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. The smile that you give somebody at the front door when they walk in will provide a supplement for what may not be accurately communicated by the preacher on Sunday morning. 
you serving with the children in the children's ministry will provide a supplement for what may not be communicated through the gospel presentation on Sunday morning. When you when you open up the front door and you help somebody to their parking spot and when you do all the various little things that happen that need to occur for the church to run and function and operate, when you do those things, you're not just serving as a door greeter. You're serving as a passageway for the gospel. See, in other words, your service to the church or through the church fills up the gaps in people's understandings of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, when you serve Christ's church as a believer, you communicate to unbelievers the full breadth and depth and weight of Christ's sufferings for them. Through your service, watch this, unbelievers get a glimpse of Christ's sacrifice for them. If we want people to come in and know Jesus, if we want people to come in and meet Jesus and have an experience when they walk through those doors in 2019, then we've got to put our hands to the plow and get ready to serve. See, it says here that he's going to supply whatever is lacking. The, the poverty of people's understanding of the gospel message is made complete when you have a commitment to stacking up chairs. What's lacking is, is, is found, it finds completion when you hang up banners and, and wrap up cords and put things away. The coffee that you make serves as a doorway to open the understanding of people or for people of the gospel message. Here's how that conversation is going to go. Do you stack chairs every week? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you come early every Sunday to make sure that the parking lot is swept up and clean? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I do that. Why? Why? What you doing that for? Because Christ gave up his life for me. And because he gave up his life for me, I now have the opportunity to give up my life to serve others with my time, talent, and treasures. See, this is what, this is what he's after here. He, he's after this. He's saying to them, he says that what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body, he want to answer this question, why did he give up his life for us? Well, how did he do that? In his anguish for us, he said, this is Jesus. He gave up his time, his talent, and his treasure for us. How you know that, preacher? Well, the one who stood outside of time would come down and subject himself to aging and time. How, how did he give up his talent, preacher? He, 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 he was the most talented creator in the universe because he created the universe itself. See, I know you think you're a creative and you've got all that stuff going on for you and you got your Instagram popping and you got all your followers right and you put the right filter on your pictures and you got the, the right type of things going on and you got your Facebook posts going properly and Snapchat is booming and all that type of stuff. But there's a creator who was more creative than you and he created the heavens and the stars and everything that exists inside of it. And this talented one, 
this talentedly creative one would submit himself and subject himself and give up of his talent to be come down and to be born into a manger and have to be burped by his mother. How did he give up his treasure? He would give up the luxuries of heaven to come down and be born in a manger. What have you given up to serve this week in the kingdom of God? What do you regularly give up in order to serve the body of Christ to see that unbelievers are able to come into the body of Christ and know God so that they could find freedom from what binds them up and what has them bound and so that they could discover what their purpose is so that they could ultimately go out and make a difference in the world? What are you giving up? He says that I've made myself its servant. Paul goes, goes one step deeper to say, not only will I serve this church with sufferings, but I will make myself its servant. It baffles me when people don't have time for the body of Christ. I'm confused by that. I'm confused by people that seem to see the connection between their service in the body of Christ and their being around the people of God as the essential nutrients that they need in order to sustain them for this life and to provide them with a witness that communicates to the whole world that God is the greatest thing and that Jesus is the greatest person that you should ever lend your life to and that his mission and his cause is the greatest mission and cause that you should ever lend your life to. See, he wasn't living his life to execute his own commands on his life. Paul lived his life to execute the commands of Jesus Christ on his life. What does Jesus command us? He commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them. He he commands us to do that. Why? Because Galatians 2.20 tells us that we no longer live. But Christ, he lives on the inside of us. And the life that we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. That's why you got to serve what you've been served. And Jesus served up his life for you. Therefore, you can serve up your life for him. See, serving in the kingdom of God means that sometimes... You're going to have to give up your life. See, you literally won't have a life sometimes. <laughs> like, you'll be like, man, my phone dry. Like, I'm just, I'm just out here. Like, ain't nobody hit me up. I ain't got nothing going on. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's all good. Like, I'm going to go to church today because, you know, I want to be with the people of God. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I got to go and I got to set up these chairs uh, early because that's what I got to do. And sometimes it's going to feel like your life is dragging along a little bit. But I want you to know that there's fruit in the dragging. See, Jesus, as he drugged the cross along the road, there was fruit that was being produced inside of us. As he drugged the cross along, there was some fruit that was being born on the inside of us. See, Paul, he understood this, that he was an attendant to the church. Much like a flight attendant was serving 
Flight attendants, they serve in the midst of turbulence. I was on a flight the other week, or last month sometime, and I had got upgraded to first class. Whew. Listen. And it wasn't the regular first class. Listen. It was the first class where you press the button on the side and the seat recline all the way back and your feet go up and they got the little light next to it and they got the remote control where you could press and turn the channel on the TV. Listen, I didn't know what to do with myself. I said, Jesus, I'm from Camden. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that flight attendant walked up on me. I, and I was like, sleep. He walked up on me. He put the pillow behind my head, tucked it under, and I turned around. And I was like, do I got to pay you some money or something? <laughs> What's happening right now? Should I take you on a date? We're like, what, what we got going on here? This man just, he served me so well. And what I noticed about his service is that his service wasn't thrown off by the turbulence of the flights. See, his service didn't get thrown off when trials came his way. His service in the kingdom didn't get thrown off because a little wave and wind went past the plane and wouldn't the plane go left and right. It didn't get knocked off. And the same is true for you. Just because you're going through trials and circumstances in your life, that doesn't mean that you need to give up on service in the kingdom of God. Just because you're going through some things, it doesn't mean that you need to stop. See, I'm just going through some things, and y'all just don't understand what's happening in my life right now. Well, listen at this. The cross was turbulent. See, the cross wasn't apostropedic. Jesus wasn't up there chilling. He was up there dying for our sins, and it was hard, and it was grimy, and it was rugged, but yet he hung up there on the cross for you and for me. Why? So that we might have the opportunity to have life and life more abundantly. See, this commission here, he says, God's commission that was given to me for you. See, I know you think that your service is just about you. See, and that's why you don't serve, because you say, well, I just got some things going on. The reality is this, is that your service, it ain't for you. That's bad English, but it's good theology. Your service ain't for you. There's nothing more important to Jesus than people coming to know him. There's nothing more important to him than people finding the knowledge of him. He says here that he makes that makes it fully known. And that's why the Bible says that the, that the angels rejoice over one. If the shepherd has lost the sheep, he goes after the one and he leaves the 99. There's nothing more important to Jesus than lost people. And how can we, having been saved from the grips of hell, how can we, having been snatched up from the muck and the mire, then turn our backs on other people and not become a herald of Jesus Christ and proclaim to the world with our life, lips, and everything that we've got, our time, talent, and treasure, and not serve in the kingdom of God to make sure that somebody that's lost can now be found? Listen, 
this commission here, Paul is saying, he said, listen, I've got a stewardship. See, that's not a word we talk about because people don't like to take responsibility for anything today. But stewardship is vitally important in the kingdom of God. You've got to be a good steward over everything that you've been given. That includes your time, your talent, and your treasures. You've got to be a good steward over the things that God has given to you. You can't just go about doing what you want with your money. You can't just go about buying every pair of Jordans, every pair of Yeezys. You can't go around buying all the new stuff. Balenciaga and all that stuff. You ain't Balenciaga money. What you around here buying that stuff? You can't do that. You can't. You got to be a good steward over your money and, and over your time. You can't sit around when you've got a project coming up and just sit there for seven hours scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through your stories. You can't do that. You can't just sit there when you've got homework due, scrolling and snapping. Like you can't, you, you've got to get to your stuff. You, you, you can't just sit there on the video game playing Fortnite and Call of Duty when, when you've got stuff that you got to do. Now listen, I, I'm, I'm glad y'all getting happy. Y'all parents, I'm glad y'all getting happy. But somebody bought them the video game. And, and, and somebody pays the electric bill. And, and, and somebody allowed them to just say, just give me 10 more minutes. Somebody allowed them to have a cell phone when they were 10 years old with a full data plan, with unlimited minutes and all that kind of stuff. They got the same privileges you got and you worked for everything that you got. So what are we teaching them about what they have and what they can get when they don't have to work for anything? They got the same amenities that you've got, and you go to work every single day. They didn't do that to themselves. They didn't buy themselves them Jordans. They didn't. I ain't here to beat up on nobody. I don't want to fight, but I got a little bit of hands. <laughs> Colossians, that's my one hand today. I saw an article the other day talking about classes being offered for young people for adulting. Adulting. There are classes, there, there are young men and women between the ages of 20 one in 29, probably 30, 
that are having to take classes on how to boil an egg. That was a real article that I read. And, and as I'm reading that, I said, Lord, if they don't have the skill set to boil an egg, how in the world are they ever going to make a disciple? If they don't have the skill set to do that, how in the world are they ever going to communicate to somebody the truths of the gospel? Here's what I want to communicate. Is that you've got to serve what you've been served. Now listen, when I was coming up, my aunt would wake me up on Saturday mornings and I have to go and clean baseboards. Y'all probably don't know what a baseboard is, but <laughs> we had to go and we had to clean the baseboards. And listen, I had to clean the ceiling fans. I would take the broom and brush it up there if it wasn't good enough. She would say, no, go, go and get that stepladder and go up there and get a rag and wipe off my, my ceiling fans. I used to have to clean out the refrigerator grime. You know, when you open the refrigerator, it's the rubber part there. You got to wipe. I had to get up there with a Q-tip, and I had to wipe out the grime there. And guess what? There wasn't no Atari, Atari or Nintendo until I got it done. I just aged myself, my bad. <laughs> it was Sega, PlayStation, that's what it was. Xbox, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but one day, my aunt sent me outside to pull up some weeds in the front, and I was mad. I was like, dumb weeds ain't bothering nobody. Like, what do I have to pull weeds for? Like, can't we just leave them alone? <sighs> so I went out there, my frustration, and I'm just not really pulling nothing, just grabbing stuff. So my aunt comes out. In my house, there was a hill you had to walk down and come around, so I didn't see her. Uh, <laughs> so she came down that hill and came around the corner, and she stood behind me. And I was, I was so frustrated. I said, Auntie, why do I got to do this? And the way she looked at me caused a fear to come over me that, listen. And see, that fear, I, I thought something was about to happen to me. But instead, she placed her hand on my shoulder. And she said, baby, it's our house. If we don't do it, who's going to do it? The house of God has been placed in our hands. And if we don't serve, if we don't love, if we don't give, if we don't do what we should do, who's going to do it? And the reason why my aunt had me doing that stuff is because she would tell me this. She said, I don't want you to have to need no woman to do nothing for you when you get older. She would say that to me. Now listen, I met a wonderful woman, and she does amazing and wonderful things for me. 
But I'd be eating some mustard chicken if it wasn't for it. That's an inside joke between me and my wife. Listen, <laughs> when I met my wife, I wasn't the best cook, but I could do a little something. I would make this thing called mustard chicken all the time. I would grill some mustard, grill some chicken, and then I would put it in a bowl, and then I would squeeze some mustard in it, and I would toss it up. It was nasty. <laughs> but I was validated the other day, the other week. One of my church members sent me a, 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 a recipe from Food Network of mustard chicken, and I was like, I was killing it back then. Y'all just didn't know. <laughs> But listen, he says, I'm going to move. My next idea is quickly this, is that your service has a secret. Verse 26 says that the mystery hidden for ages and generations is now revealed to his saints God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you. See, Paul is saying, look, the church was a mystery that was hidden and tucked all throughout the ages, but it's now revealed. And Paul is making it clear that God's plan has always been to make his to always has always been the inclusion and manifestation of the church. So Paul is letting us know that the church is a unique, mysterious place where all kinds of people can come together through the worship of one. So watch this. Your service in the church further manifests the glorious vision of God of drawing all types of people to himself. So when you serve in Christ's church, that's why your work in hospitality is not a menial thing because through your work at the hospitality booth or the table, you open eyes to see the manifest vision of God, which is his church. And it says here that God wanted to make it known. See, you've got to know that your service is exactly what God wanted. See, God didn't save you just for yourself. He didn't save you just so you could go, oh, I'm good now. Going to heaven. No, he didn't do that. He saved you so that you could serve, so that others could meet Jesus. That's a great mystery. He, want, he wanted to make it known, his, his glorious. It says that, his that it was glorious. See, the magnificence and splendor, watch this, the magnificence and splendor of God is made known through your service. Lastly is this, is that service will strengthen you. Your service will strengthen you. Verse 28, it says, we proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength. 
not your strength, with his strength that works powerfully in you. See, the purpose of your service is this, is that God wants to mature you. See, we live in a culture where maturity is delayed. We've got 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds staying at home with mama. Maturity is delayed in our culture. But the economy of God works differently. See, the economy of Christ, it, it works differently than the economy of the world. It might be all right for you to be 35 and still living at mama without a plan. It's one thing to be living at mama in 35 and you got a plan. But it's a whole other thing. You don't have a plan. See, that's okay in our, in our economy. But in God's economy, a, fruit that, a tree that doesn't bear any fruit, he casts it away. So if you're in Christ and you're not bearing any fruit, in other words, if you're in Christ and you're no more patient than you were three years ago, if you're in Christ and you don't have more joy than you had last year, if you're in Christ and you don't have any more peace than you did seven years ago, if you're in Christ and you can't love people more than you did a year ago, Listen, you can go into 2019 with all these goals and all these visions and all these dreams and all the stuff that you want to have. But if you don't go into 2019 with some fruit in your hand, if you don't go into 2019 expecting to bear some more fruit, it don't work like that in God's economy. So just service, here's the wonderful thing about service, is that it will mature you and strengthen you. So in doing so, we, we present ourselves fully grown to Christ. When we are in Christ and living how Christ calls us to live, we don't need no adulting classes. Why? Because we've got the word of God. And if we submit our hearts and our lives to the word of God, we'll mature and we'll grow. And we'll be deemed worthy. End of our days. Paul don't let us off the hook. He closes and says, I labor for this thing. See, Paul knew it was hard trying to make disciples. He knew it was difficult trying to see maturity be wrought in people. He knew it was a labor. The word literally means in Hebrew to grow exhausted and feel fatigue. You've got to grow weary in this thing. You've got to grow weary in trying to see disciples be formed in young people. They're not going to respond the way that you think they should respond all the time. Young man got up here and said it. Like, they, they need something different. They need you to reach out to them. I know you don't like texting, but send them a text every now and again. You may not like football, but 
Show up to their football game every now and then. You may not be into the stuff that they're into, but labor through it and show up sometimes. He says, I labor for this. Striving. But here's the good news. He don't labor and strive in his own strength. Paul says that because I'm in Christ, I have the wonderful privilege and opportunity that when I strive, I strive with him. And in striving with him, the passage tells us, it closes and says that it works powerfully in us. That word is energio, is to be active or to operate, to be affectionately fervent in this thing. So Paul is saying here, he's saying that the strength of Christ works powerfully on the inside of me when I activate a service in my life. So God's going to do some amazing things this year through your service to him. I know you think that he's just going to plop some stuff down in your lap and it's just going to appear, but God's saying, no, 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 I'm going to do some great and mighty and wonderful and powerful things in your life in 2019. Yes, I am, but how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it through your service. Why? Because you got to serve what you've been served. In England during World War II, they needed to increase the production of their coal. So Winston Churchill, he called the labor leaders to enlist their support. I'm giving you a history lesson real quick. And at the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade. He said, at this parade, it will, end, it will be after the war has ended. First, he said, will come the sailors. They'll come marching along the sailors who kept the vital sea lines open. Then would come the soldiers who had come home from Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then would come the pilots who had driven the skies and paved the way for the soldiers to get through. Last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-soaked, soot-streaked coal miners. And someone would cry out from the crowd, where have they been during the struggle? Where were they during the critical days of the war? And then 10,000 voices would open up as Churchill's painting this picture. It says 10,000 voices would open up and say, we were deep inside the earth with our faces to the ground. See, what am I saying to you today is that not all the jobs in the church are prominent or glorious ones. But in order for you to ignite something, you need some coal. And there are some coal miners in here today that God is saying, listen, keep your nose to the coal. Keep grinding. Keep moving. Keep struggling and laboring through this thing. Because if the fire is going to be ignited, we need some coal. God wants to do something today through your service. Just know you've got to serve what you've been served. Father, thank you for these, your people. God, thank you for this day. 
Lord, I pray that you would move powerfully and mightily, God, in this church.